Fantasy Down by the Bank, a Jacksonville Jaguars podcast, episode 10. This is Corey. Hey guys, this is Derek. We are doing a instant reaction episode to the Jaguars' 38-14 to loss to the San Diego Chargers. Uh, we are now 0-2, and as they mentioned on the broadcast, historically teams that start 0-2 have a 12% chance of making the playoffs. So how does that make you feel? <laughs> it's absolute trash. It's garbage. Um, what a, just a terrible showing by the team. Um, it's like we had great individuals. We did have a couple of individuals that stuck out, but no team effort. We'll get into all that, but just, just a poor, poor performance. Not what we've been expecting, not what we've been looking for. Um, again, you know me running the football. We ran the football 11 times, 11 Let's say yep. that again. 11. That's terrible. San Diego ran it 35 times. And they were missing one of their running backs. So we'll, we'll get into all that, obviously. But, uh, yeah, it just was not good. Not good at all. Yeah, and I definitely echo garbage and trash. And a lot of people are saying this might be the worst game of the Gus Bradley era, which is unfortunate considering how far we're into it. Um, third down efficiency, 2 of 11. 18%. That is not great. Um, the entire game, time of possession, Chargers 34 minutes, 52 seconds, Jaguars 25 minutes and 8 seconds. If you want to know why time of possession is important, in the first half, the Chargers held the ball for 66% of the time. That means that the Jags' defense was out on the field 66% of the time. Whew. That's not good. 19 <laughs> minutes and 2 seconds versus 10 minutes and 58 seconds. So Phillip Rivers had the ball essentially for 19 minutes. Blake Bortles had it essentially for about 10 minutes. A minute for fluffing here and there. Right. Yeah, but I mean in terms of like wearing down the defense and uh, not allowing the offense to get into much of a rhythm, I guess that time of possession, that really speaks a lot right there and how the game ended up. I'm going to say this as best as I can. We must learn how to run the football. That's the way you control the clock, the tempo, and everything else. The game opens up so much. We've gotten into this whole fantasy football kick. That's why I don't like guys that have fantasy football podcasts or fantasy football radio shows. or fan- You know, I-, I play fantasy football. It's great with some buddies. But at the end of the day... It's just stats. We're talking about real time here. We can get into a pass-happy league for those stats, and that's what's made the game and the game of football so enjoyable to watch is those high-flying high flying things. But if you want to win the game, to, to the, the overall what the goal is to win the game, isn't that what Herm Edwards said? <laughs> you got to run the football. Okay? <laughs> you you have got to, to run the football to win the, the game. Yes. <laughs> yeah, the, no, the, the new version. No, he didn't. He didn't say that. He, he said you play to win the game. <laughs> oh, I know, but that's the Jaguars no, version no, now. Okay. Me too. <laughs> just, just something, some remnants of a running game <laughs> that can keep our defense fresh, and they can chew up clock. That's yeah, it. Well, that's it. So, <laughs> if anybody wants to argue with me on that, you, you you can put all the stuff on Twitter, and we can go to the moon. You're never gonna change my mind, and I promise you, I'm always gonna beat you. The only the only t- team quarterback in the National Football League 
They cannot afford to win, run the ball and still win the game for the New England Patriots because they got the best quarterback, hands down. Right. And not the best in the league, probably one of the best of all time. So Right, and he's speaking of uh, the tandem of Garoppolo and Jacoby Brissett. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> and, and you see, they, they still are they're running the football a lot more than they usually do, but they, they do it effectively. You don't, I'm not saying you got to run for 100 yards, but you got to run effectively. Yeah. It's killing us right now. Well, and just to kind of go ahead and mention that stat right away, but Bortles led the team in rushing with 34 yards, Yeldon seven touches for 28 yards. I don't, you know, I wonder how much of that is is an effect of us, you know, getting down in the score so early, but either way, that's not a winning formula. Um, but, you know, week, week two, year four of the Gus Bradley area, we're still trying to figure this stuff out. That's kind of unfortunate. And Twitter's calling out Gus Bradley and the team. Twitter's wanting him fired already in week two. That was pretty quick. Rightfully so. <laughs> well, so it, it's already turned. And, I mean, for a game like that, as embarrassing as that was, and honestly, like, even after we lost in week one, like, like we talked about in the last um, podcast, we were still... I don't think we were down in the dumps completely because it felt like it could have gone our way in that last game with a play here or there. Um, and you consider the Packers to be a pretty good team, but to come out to San Diego like that, ugh, I don't. I'm not going to jump on the fire Gus bandwagon because I don't think it's going to happen unless it's like midseason or something and we're still doing poorly. Um, but I guess it's not totally unprecedented with Greg Roman getting fired in Buffalo uh, with Rex Ryan. So I don't know. We'll see. Um, there was one play in particular which you really pointed out uh, that you had actually sent me a screenshot from the, the Game Pass um, that I'll post up a little bit later in a few days. But um, a, a play with uh, Telvin Smith throwing up his arms, right? Yes, for all of you, please, if you have the ability, rewind to the third quarter. 11 minutes and 2 seconds. I want you to pay attention to Telvin Smith. Okay. Williams, the receiver, crosses. The uh, crosses the um, he runs a, what, a drag route, like a crossing route or a drag route. He crosses along the front of the defense. We're in a zone coverage. It's third and 12. So we're trying to keep everything in front of us and then make the tackle to get off the field. Devon House, for whatever reason, missed the assignment. And not to get too technical, the Jags were in cover two, it looked like, and or some form of cover three, it looked like more cover two, and Devon House wasn't there. You know, he was off in La La Land. Um, and maybe that's why it looked like cover two, because he was off in La La Land. He, the guy, Williams, runs past Puzz, catches the ball, goes 44 yards for a touchdown. But if you look at 11 minutes and two seconds, watch Telvin Smith. He's got his arms up in the air, and he's looking directly at Devon House. Probably like, what are you doing? There were probably some other words that were coming out, but basically it was like, what are you doing? Yeah. So that's a breakdown of communication, which in turn then follows a breakdown in coaching. Right. If our guys don't know the assignments and they're not getting the proper assignments, the other the other 10 guys got it. You saw Jalen Ramsey. You saw what he did. He turned his hips. He's got everything in front of him. He's got his butt to the sidelines, which means everything is that way since his man is crossing, going on the drag route. So he lets him go, and then he's paying attention to everything in his sector. And then you see him pass by Telvin. You see him go by Puzz, 
And then all of a sudden, when he takes a step by Puzz, Puzz starts running. Why? Because Puzz realizes that Devon House is not where he should be. <laughs> right. Yeah. Well, and like I said, we'll we'll post a picture of that, and you guys can check that out, among other things that I'm sure that uh, you and I will, will try to look for um, when we rewatch the game. But the coaching aspect of it, I wouldn't be surprised after this game, and I'll look this up later if we're leading the lead and league in penalties and penalty yardage. But in that game, we had 14 penalties for 93 yards, five first downs awarded to the Chargers from penalties. Um which I think uh, you had mentioned accounts for 20% of the first downs that they actually had in the entire Chargers game. Chargers had 25 first downs the entire game. We gave them five. Wow. So 20% of their total first downs. So that's uh, another stat that uh, is not a formula for winning, obviously. Um, in terms of the coaching, you know, having the, the players under control and, and, and bought in, uh, Jared Odrick threw that fit during the game, had that horrendous unsportsmanlike penalty. I mean, I know that guy's a little fiery, but but come on. I mean, you even saw that Gus Bradley had to get right in front of his face to, to calm him down, and who knows if that even worked. I mean, he seemed like he was calmed down later in the game, but that's just ridiculous, unnecessary. Um, and even, uh, I think you had said that there was some chatter about Malik Jackson and some issues in the second half. Yeah, on the, on you know, um, 1010's radio broadcast, they had said that Sheldon Day went in uh, for him to start of the third quarter. Didn't look like uh, Malik Jackson was injured, wasn't on any injury report, according to them. Um, I bet you that was a kind of a, a disciplinary benching of not, you know, if he wasn't into it or if he just wasn't doing his job. There were some plays where he was not running the proper, doing the proper things on defense early on. He definitely was just kind of, you know, half-stepping, as I like to say. And it looks like they kind of, you know, benched him a little bit to kind of get in his head, say, hey, you know, but get get with the program. So uh, I'd have to watch more of it and watch not more TV, but more of the coaches stuff uh, to, right. to, get, to see that. But Well, it's uh, not a good day when our – Newly signed six-year, $85 million defensive player gets benched in the second game of uh, the season. <laughs> so Not at all, no. <clears throat> so that's that. That's why it kind of, to me, it makes me wonder about the culture that they have there. I mean, we've kind of gotten this, this honky-dory, everything's wonderful um, vibe for, for many years now, but you wonder if it's starting to wear thin a little bit particularly with a player who just came on board and is used to winning a Super Bowl and I guess has maybe even seen the formula for that. You wonder if there's a little bit of uh, tension there. Um, you had mentioned something before the podcast about the, the another aspect of the coaching, specifically the offensive blocking scheme. Um, do you want to elaborate on that a little bit? So usually you run two types of schemes for blocking, you can, there's a couple more different types, but it's usually a zone or a man. Um, sometimes I question, you know, if it's supposed to be a zone, you know, scheme, you know, your offense always has, it's built to dictate things that are to your strength. Whether if you have strong wide receivers, whether if you have strong running back, a big arm quarterback, you do everything as a unit together to to dictate your matchups, to exploit the defensive defense weaknesses. The Jags are just all over the place. Like, you, you just can't tell. And, and they definitely, you know, I've 
said it 10 times, it, they definitely can't run the football. And it's not because Yeldon's not any good. It's because th there aren't any holes. I can't count how many times I saw in the first half Manti Teo just shot a gap like it was nothing. Yeah. We haven't heard of Manti Teo in, I don't know, what, three years since the whole um, fake girlfriend incident? <laughs> You're going to mention that in two yeah. straight episodes. <laughs> Leave yeah. that man alone. And now all of a sudden, man, he's shooting gaps and, man, he had like the game of his life. So yeah. it makes you wonder, do we have the right scheme or do we have the right players for the right scheme? So obviously the Jags have said by multiple sources, by multiple outlets, by multiple magazines that we look really good on paper. So if that's the case, how will we look on coaching? So Jaguars, Twitter, you know, Jag Nation, we, we, we got we got a right to to question our, our leader in, in coaching, especially on the offensive side. Because defensively, I don't think we're that bad. Okay, I don't think we're that bad defensively. Um, we got really good DBs, although House is a different story, but Prince was out, so we know we don't have to deal with that too much. Um, and Colvin suspended. But it makes you wonder, if the defense keeps getting left out to dry, I don't care how good of a defense you have. You're gonna you're gonna give up big plays, and you're gonna get tired, and that's what happened in that first half. They got wore out between that and the three turnovers, which you know that's a whole nother you know topic. But the scheme is just something's not right with it. Now we'll really find out how bad it is when Chris Ivy gets there. So if Chris Ivy's able to start running the ball, then it's a question: Is TJ dancing too much? Is he not hitting the right hole? What could it be? Yeah. Um. I'll tell you, so there was a play uh, where T.J. Yeldon uh, caught a seven-yard pass, six- or seven-yard pass, and right before he went out on his route, he cut-blocked a blitzing linebacker, which Leonard Robinson, if you watch that play, that is how you cut-block. Okay? It's <laughs> a legal block that takes out the blitzing guy, and it gave Bortles an extra two seconds to get rid of the ball or a second. So... We know TJ's a player. The matter of what's going on. Yeah, seven for twenty-eight. Okay, yeah, he had four yards of carry, and four is the the you know that's the the kind of breaking point that you want to reach. But when you're down twenty-eight, nothing. You got to throw all that in the kitchen sink and try again. Then so right. What about uh? Why does it feel like whenever I watch these games that Jonathan Cyprian's like the worst player on the field? I mean, I'm not as advanced in the X's and O's and everything with you, but it seems like every negative thing that happens in the game, like you see his name, <laughs> you see his jersey running, or you see him falling over and missing a tackle, or he's getting called for a penalty. I mean, is this guy an, an NFL caliber starting defensive player or not? Because it seems like this is getting a little old with the waiting game with this guy. I picked Cyprian to be a you know, breakout player because, hey, he's contract year. You finally got some decent teammates around you. Um, and so I figured he would blossom in this role. But teams continue to pick on him. Remember I said mm -hmm. the, the object of the game a couple weeks ago or last week was to find the chump and exploit it? Right. Sorry, Sip. You can, you can hit hard. <laughs> and I wouldn't want to meet you in the, in the gap or on the Oklahoma drill between the pads. But, man, you get picked on a lot. 
and it's because of his cover skills. You know, his cover skills and his over pursuit of his the poor angling he takes on tackling. He wants to he wants to kill everybody. Oh, yeah. Which hey, that's great. Go ahead and smash some heads. You know, hopefully don't give anyone a concussion. But you know, you know, lay some licks. But at the same time, you can't not miss the tackles. Yeah. I even question if he's even that good at hitting, honestly. It seems like every time he hits somebody, he just bounces off of them and then they just keep running and he's like falling to the side. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, is he kind of overrated when it comes to that? Yeah, yeah, he is. And um, they'll definitely try and, and dictate th- and things and do things. Um, give you an example. The uh, Travis Benjamin uh, had a long play yeah. where Puzz was uh, trailing him. And so San Diego, usually teams, what they'll do is they'll put trips right or trips left, and they'll put another receiver to the other side. So trips is three receivers on each either side. And what they want is they want a safety or linebacker to come up and guard that wide receiver. And usually what they'll do is they'll put your best wide receiver on that inside spot so you can try and get them away from a corner and get them matched up against a linebacker or a safety. San Diego must have done that. I don't know how many times. And we didn't make any adjustments. None. It was like, we're just going to go out and run and do the same things. And yes, Sip, you're going to go down there and guard him if Puzz isn't going to get him. Well, we know. Yeah, and that, so that comes right back yeah. to Gus Bradley yeah, that, then that, again, right? And, that's and, coaching. And and even if you don't see that until the end of the first half, you still make adjustments or you do something. You know, go ahead and put, you know, three corners over there if you have to. Or, um, you you got to do something. So uh, at, the, at the end of the day, coaching and adjustments is so key and so critical. So I'm starting to, you know, really question, especially on offense, just, you know, what the heck are they doing? Because other coaches are figuring us out very easily. Now, we're not going to take anything away from Phillip Rivers because he's a, a great quarterback. He can't move. He can't yeah. mobile. He's not very mobile. He can't mobile. He's not very mobile. And we got three sacks. Hey, we actually beat someone on sacks. We should get a round of applause. Three to two. <laughs> Yay. Um, but you see, we were able to get to him, and we, we hit him and, and got to him a couple more times than that, but he was able to get rid of the ball. So if we were able to do those things on defense yeah. – had the offense not left the defense out to dry in that first half, this would have been a game. But instead, it was a it was a little bit of a massacre out there. So, well, good thing is uh, Gus Bradley said in the press conference that there's some valuable lessons that can be learned today. So that's good. Year four, we're learning valuable lessons in the year that we're supposed to be contending and uh, putting on a good on-field performance uh, for the fans, like Shad Khan had mentioned. Um, Gus Bradley said, I think you can put it on me. You can't just show up and play well. Well, I think certainly most of the fans are putting on you, putting it on you at this point. I mean, when the owner sets the expectation before the season that this is the year, I mean, I just don't understand how you can go out in week two and just put on such an abysmal performance. I mean, it's just getting depressing. Valuable lessons? You know, the father of full house taught valuable lessons. Okay, you get it? Full house, Devon house. <laughs> Teach him a valuable lesson. Okay, yeah. <laughs> oh, so no. if they want valuable lessons, then they can go watch reruns of that show or whatever. But we don't need valuable lessons. We need W's. Yeah. Okay, we need W's. 
Well, that's the thing is it just feels like it's so like the idealistic kind of, um, I don't know, happy go lucky. Like, we're, I don't know. It's just getting so old at this point. And I hate it because I really like him and I really want to believe in all that, that kind of stuff. But it just, I feel like when you listen to him talk, we're just reading like, or listening to motivational audio books every time. There's not a lot of, uh, content there. It, it, um, it, it's, which, it's really weird because it's just, he's a, he was a great defensive coordinator in Seattle. Um, they did a lot of great things with that defense. Um, but it's just some D coordinators and some offensive coordinators just aren't, you know, they just, you know, some people just don't have it when it comes to that coach, that head coaching position. And yeah. you, you really sit, you got to sit back and wonder just about the, the, the overall the scheme of things. So. I so badly wanted to listen to the post game radio show that 1010XL does. I forgot to listen to it, but man, like I know we sound pretty like sad and depressed, but those guys, they, they get hateful on there. I mean, the memes and stuff about Gus Bradley that were put on the uh, on Facebook and Twitter and everything were pretty uh, pretty crazy. But uh, you can't blame people for being upset. I especially feel bad for the fans that traveled out there. I mean, ugh, that is an expensive yeah. trip to watch that. Um, but a couple of uh, just miscellaneous notes. Um, Allen Robinson's first catch was with 26 seconds left in the third quarter. Um, he was. <laughs> He was shadowed by two guys. Um, they definitely kept a safety over top, whichever side he was on. That's why you saw a lot of throws going towards Hearn's way. Although Hearn's didn't really, you know, have a breakout or you know, get over a hundred yards, but he definitely had some more targets there through the first three quarters because of that. And hey, that's great. That means Blake Bortles was reading the defense, but then it comes back to coaching. He's your best wide receiver. We have to figure out how to get him the ball. <laughs> regardless if they are shadowing him or not so right well and then you know that whole deep passing game from last year that seemed to be the the, the recipe for success for us that like i had said in our, one of our first episodes was something that even the analytics department with tony Khan and the jaguars said was a was a big focus last year i mean has that been solved i mean what do you what do you think uh Two weeks in, it doesn't seem like we're, we have that same magic Safeties that we have are staying last back. They're not coming up. The reason why? We can't run the ball. So they're staying back. And the one play where uh, Rashard Green ran the seam route and he was looks like he was about to break away on the hash and that corner fell off and went and picked the ball off. They, they were playing like a, a deep cover three. It was because, you know, they expected it. They, they knew it was coming. You have to, if, if all we can do is throw the ball deep, and I said this before the season started, you got to do other things on offense. Yeah, the deep ball is great, but you got to do other things to get them up on the line of scrimmage, to pull them forward. And, and that's and, and this is why when you look at the offensive line, you're like, well, geez, if we're not having a deal but with six or seven guys, you know, in the box, why the heck can't we block? <laughs> you yeah. Know? yeah. You, you got, I mean, if you, if you go watch a Vikings game, well, they're, they're on right now, but if you go watch a Vikings game, Adrian Peterson's been dealing with eight and nine in the box for 10 years. And the man still ran for 10,000 yards. That's because right. their offensive line knows how to block. <laughs> yeah. 
which ultimately could come back to coaching. coaching. Yes. <laughs> That's the theme. Yay, I'm excited about that. Miles Jack came in in the fourth quarter finally and played a little bit at middle linebacker. The fans were super excited. Um, yep. Yay. That's that's good. I didn't get to see anything on that. I'm definitely going to rewatch the game. Uh, I was, you know, had to hit the road, you know, midway through the third. So, but I'll definitely go back and uh, look at the, uh, the the fourth quarter. Uh, yeah, I would be curious as to what your thoughts are on him coming in. You know, because I mean, you're you're one, and I kind of agree with you that that Puzlesny's getting a little too much uh, heat on Twitter and social media as a, a focal point of our problems. Yeah, they got to stop that. It, they got to realize that um, it's not a couple of those plays weren't his fault. Uh, yeah, he got beat by Travis Benjamin. He shouldn't have even been covering Travis Benjamin to begin with. Okay. Right. So they should have called timeout or recognized that. Uh, right. The one with uh, Williams on the deep, on the uh, shallow crossing route on the shallow, the shallow crossing route. That wasn't his fault either. You know, that was Devon House's fault. And the proof is Telvin Smith on that, that video I told you guys to go watch. So, they got a layoff puzz because he definitely made some great plays. He definitely, I saw a couple of plays where he was able to get in and really, you know, uh, take on Melvin Gordon, which we needed someone to take him on because he and Telvin Smith seemed like the only ones besides the defensive line that wanted to tackle him. Right. Everybody else, you know, they, they didn't really, uh, the safeties and everything, they didn't really do it, you know, do a good job. Um, Deshaun Gibson, I mean, he, he played okay, but he had to worry about the deep shots because that's what San Diego was doing. They were running the ball, yep. sneaking them up, and then going over top. So Gibson had, you know, a long way to run to make the play. That's supposed to be Cyprian's job anyway, and he can't make the tackles. Right. Uh, Fowler had two sacks. So, uh, you know, my uh, impact player prediction's looking pretty good there. It's about time. Uh, and J- <laughs> and Jockway had one sack. So that was both of their first career sacks, which was kind of cool. Um, Bortles, uh, I don't know, not much on the body language thing usually, but eh, when they started playing poorly, he was probably could have done better when it comes to that. I mean, he, you could see at one point when Luke Jokel had that false start penalty in the second half, he was really ticked off. It almost seemed like he was directing the, uh, the anger right at Jokel. So I'm kind of curious to go back and rewatch that again, but, um, you know, it's not much different from last year when he threw interceptions, but his body language could probably improve a little bit. Um, Philip Rivers, uh, my prediction of him having his first poor game against us in his career was the complete opposite. He threw for 220 yards and four touchdowns, zero interceptions. And so he continues to own us completely. Um, like you mentioned, Gordon had the 24 rushes for 100 yards and a touchdown. I don't know what to say about that, but I thought the run defense was supposedly one of our strongest attributes but uh apparently not <laughs> no it it definitely wasn't and um i think that's why why Malik Jackson just you know didn't come out in the second half uh he wasn't yeah. you know he was rushing up the field there were a lot of uh cuts that he made although you know Malik Jackson's not responsible for a backside but still He's got to eat up blocks, and I think uh, Roy Miller missed some time in the first half too, so that definitely didn't help us. Yeah, and I, I'd be curious when we go back and look at it to see how Jalen Ramsey's game was, because I think some of the Benjamin, 
yards were on him. Benjamin had six receptions for 115 yards and two touchdowns. I did check Jalen Ramsey's Twitter, and there are no tweets. So <laughs> I don't know if that's a sign of something, but I kind of am an advocate of not talking trash and challenging quarterbacks because that could come back to bite you, and then you look dumb. But uh, I'll be curious to see how much of that was on him. And then one final note, just the Calvin Beecham thing. I think there was a tweet shortly ago that uh, he was his tests were negative and he's just staying in the uh, hospital overnight. I thought maybe it was like a neck injury or something, but I guess they're just coming back and saying it was all concussion related. Yeah, he um, he got kicked in the head pretty hard, um, and it was on yeah. the side of the head too. So you know, you definitely in, a, in NFL they're going to take every precaution um, to, to make sure that players' safety is uh, first. You know, in recent light of all concussion issues that past players have had so he just got knocked out it seemed like and you know if test came back you know, negative he's probably going to be in a concussion protocol which will probably take him a couple of weeks to get out of if he you know and hopefully he can he doesn't have any lingering effects um but yeah that's great that they, they do that and it's it's uh, great that he tested negative for any you know damage and uh, they'll just observe him, and hopefully he gets released and gets uh, flies back home and joins the team again. Yep, so Calvin uh, Beecham, hope you get better really soon. But aside from that, we will be back later in the week to do a little bit more of a look at this game um, once we have a, a chance to watch the game pass and the, the coach's film. Um, I'll definitely post the images and maybe more if Derek does some screenshots with us. Um, to pinpoint some <laughs> horrible moments in the game because there's probably not a lot of bright spots. And other than that, we would, of course, appreciate it if you guys subscribe on iTunes and SoundCloud and, of course, rate and review on iTunes. That would be great. should get us up the rankings a little bit. Um, like I said, we'll be back later this week. All right, guys, take care. See ya. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator.